0: Welcome to The Less Stressed Life, all about making this your time to feel freaking awesome about your life, health, and happiness. This podcast of The Less Stressed Life is hosted by Krista Bigler. Krista is an integrative registered dietitian nutritionist who specializes in reducing food-related stress, inflammation, and symptoms of food sensitivities. She brings over a decade of nutrition expertise and playing with her food to the table. From coaching, teaching, writing, and work Working within a major food company to behind the scenes for a health celebrity. To learn more, visit lessstressedlife.com. Okay, today on The Less Stress Life, I just, I feel so blessed to bring you all these amazing people that I know with incredible stories. I don't have to have Oprah here because there's so many amazing people in our lives and The person that is on the other line with me today is one of those people. Elizabeth Durham is the owner of Sweet Elizabeth's Organics. And I can say that I knew Elizabeth pre-Sweet Elizabeth's Organics. But Sweet Elizabeth's is an allergy-friendly bakery. Elizabeth has a passion for providing people with food that not only tastes good, but is good for them as well. And honestly, there's just so much more to her. This person... Elizabeth is so down to earth. Uh, we met via mutual friends because we're both kind of our own expert in our food issues. And so when you have friends and you're talking to them about what you do and who you help, they say, oh, you should talk to Elizabeth or you should talk to this person. So the first time I, I think I just reached out to Elizabeth one time and we had a chat on the phone. We talked for over an hour the first time and uh, I felt like I'd known her my whole life. And it's really kind of been like that ever since. And soon I'll get to meet her in person at the Food Allergy Blogger Conference in Denver. Denver. She and I are meeting up. Um, Very excited to meet her in person. And I'm very excited to bring you uh, a few arms of her amazing story that is just going to inspire you today. Welcome, Elizabeth. Well, thank you, Krista. Did you just um, compare me to Oprah? (laughs) I think I kind of (laughs) did I'm not sure (laughs) oh funny yeah no joke
1: I'll take it whatever (laughs) like about that
0: time I compared you to Oprah how funny. funny 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 so yeah there's like um I've known you for I don't know I think almost a year now and every time we chat I get a new big arm of your story and we you know we use an app where we can deliver voice memos to each other and it's a really fun way to stay in touch with people I feel like I wish all my you know friends where I've kind of fallen out of touch with I wish we'd all use it because it makes you feel like you can stay in touch a little bit better um there's a few different uh phases of your story I want listeners to glean from today um from what I know about you um I know the first time we talked you were telling me all about before you really redefined your health and really got better and found out what was making you be sick, because several years ago you were ill. Like you were a very spunky, vibrant, amazing mother of what five? Is that right? Five,
1: yes. five
0: which is amazing. But it and I mean you homeschool some. You used to be a food co op organizer. You own a business. You've owned a couple different businesses, um, camp counselor, which we'll talk about. But you weren't always so vibrant and healthy and energetic and amazing, like with your health, right? And so can you tell me about the time back before you figured out what was wrong? And when you were sick, tell me a little bit about that, like pre pre uh, current Elizabeth, what was what year was that? And what was going on?
1: Well, honestly, it goes back to childhood, which it, that sounds horrible. But I was one of those kids that always had a stomach ache. And I would go to doctor after doctor. I remember going in and they would just tell my mom that it was stress or um, that, you know, it's just kid things. Sometimes they just say that they have a stomach ache and it's really nothing. And I remember in college one time, a friend of mine, we were going for a walk and And I'm, I was a very gaseous person. So I was, I would belch a lot. Um, And, but it wasn't, it hurt. It wasn't something that I, you know, it wasn't something to like show off, like watch me. Um, But I remember her telling me, she looked at me and she said, Elizabeth, you have, you have a problem, and you really need to go see a doctor. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, this is just normal. Um, so I just kind of went along, and I just thought people had stomach aches until one day I asked my husband. Um, gosh, this was post five kids. I looked at him, and I said, do you feel horrible every time you eat? Um, and he just looked at me like I was crazy. He said, no. Um, and I said, so you don't get like stomach aches or, you know, you don't feel like you're going to throw up. And he's like, no, I mean, le- unless I'm sick or something. But um, no, I've never ha- experienced that. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, I must have something serious going on. But it got to the point um, I-, I really just let all of these symptoms go because, it was easier to hide them than to deal with them. It was easier to just let it go. Oh, that's just me getting older. Oh, that's just me. Oh, I have five kids. Oh, that's just whatever it was. I made excuses for it. Um, at the time when I was extremely sick, it was after the birth of our um, our last child, and it got to the point where I was crawling up the stairs. I had such severe bloating that one day I could wear a pair of jeans. The next day I couldn't even put them on, or um, you know, not even zip them. Um, I had joint pain in my right thumb, it was bad. I couldn't open a water bottle. I had such severe digestive issues. Um, I have IBS, and I did not. I was constipated severely for an entire year. Um, brain fog. Um, oh my goodness, there were just so many different things. Until it got to the point where I was going to my daughter's um, birthday party, and they were going. We were all going ice skating, and my husband looked at me, and everybody's getting their skates on, and I was just sitting there, and he said, "Aren't you going to go skating?" And I said, no, I said, I'm so dizzy, I can barely stand right now. And that was the breaking point. Um, I know it, the breaking point should have been way before that. Um, but I got home and I got on the computer. I'm a researcher. I love to research. I love nutrition. Um, I love to learn about it and figure out things that are going on. And I looked up gluten, and um, all of my symptoms were under gluten. And I thought, oh my goodness, wow, really? Okay, so I just started researching more that evening and I thought, well, maybe I could try this. Maybe I'll go gluten-free and see what happens. At this point, um, I was the owner of an organic produce co-op, so everything I was eating was organic. I was baking my own bread. I was soaking my grains. um, Everything was organic again. um, And I was also making sourdough bread, so I wasn't using yeast products. So I thought I was really doing things right. Um, but until I stopped eating gluten, um, I, I, I was never going to feel good. So I went to my daughter, she was having the stomach aches and the headaches at this point, And I said, you know, would you want to try this with me? Let's just see if maybe this is our problem. <laughs> Within 24 hours, I knew, um, that gluten was one of my problems. And that's kind of where the journey started. Um, and it was a couple weeks in um, and I decided, I went to my husband and I said, listen, I know that this is my problem and there's no way that I can make seven different meals and have gluten in the house, not eat it, not allow my oldest daughter to eat it as well. And so I, th- I told him, I said, I think we all need to go gluten free and really pay attention to uh, what we're eating and what we're consuming. And um, he was all for it. He was really supportive and said, you know, let's do it. No problem. Because, I mean, I think he was at the point where he's like, I just want my wife back. And, um, and so that's what we did. I cleaned out. I had 100 pounds of flour in my freezer at that time cleaned everything out, sold everything I could food-wise, and uh, started over again. I cleared out all grains, dairy. Uh, I basically went to a paleo diet, very strict on what I was eating, and the rest of my family went gluten-free. During this time, I just have to share with you, if you don't mind, Mm -hmm. um, what happened to everybody in my family. So First of all, I thought it was just for my daughter and I. Um, my husband um, was uh, suffered from severe headaches, and he had um, he had an illness um, when our son was a baby. This was about twelve years ago, and it's called transient syndrome of headaches with neurological deficits and cerebral spinal fluid lymphocytosis, H mm-hmm. A N D L for short. Um, but it took a few months for him to get better from this illness. But what happened was these horrible headaches that would, would wipe him out for an entire weekend. Once we went gluten-free, um, he has not had a headache in three and a half years. Um, and then my, my daughter had, um, what I called, uh, alligator skin. It was, it was like sandpaper. And, um, once we went gluten-free, her skin cleared up. We had tried every lotion, every, um, you know, coconut oil, anything possible um, to help with her skin. But I mean, Krista, as you know, it's it, everything shows up But whatever's going on in the inside shows up on the outside. Yep. And so for her, <laughs> you're like, absolutely. <laughs> um, so for her, it was it, it showed up on her skin. And then this. The next one I'm going to share with you was from my son. And at the time he was nine and he was a bedwetter, um, to the point where we could take him to the ba- He would go to the bathroom. Um, he actually, he would stop drinking liquids uh, a couple hours before he would go to bed. He would go to the bathroom before he went to bed. And then my husband and I, or I would take him, pick him up sleeping, stand him in front of the toilet before we went to bed for him to go to the bathroom as well. And he would still wet the bed uh, to the point where the bed would be soaking wet. And uh, we went gluten free. It was almost instant that he stopped wetting the bed. Um, And this was, I mean, he was nine years old. So it was quite a long journey. Um, And so there's just there are so many different symptoms and I was talking with a friend the other day who has been um, studying the brain and how inflammation works with the brain and when I told her the story of my son, she just she just looked at me and smiled and she said, absolutely, because she said when you have inflammation in the brain, the signals get crossed and he doesn't even realize that he's going to the bathroom. Um, so. That's kind of, it's been about three and a half years when we got rid of gluten, and I will never, I'll never go back. It's something that um, I will always, I always stay clear of um, from my diet. Um, So that's kind of... That's (laughs) dramatic. Long story kind of short. (laughs) No, that
0: was dramatic, and I love how you know the results that are so fast and just I resonated so much when you talked about your symptoms because I talk to people all the time that have very similar symptoms and their symptoms of essentially like if we don't have to just point at gluten but of a lot of foods it's a, it's an inflammatory response like a lot of those symptoms right like the headaches absolutely like your husband have your joint pain absolutely like all the stomach pain like absolutely we know that those are so food sensitivity related so I love that you took matters into your own hands and just dealt with that low hanging fruit. And what I think think was interesting that I didn't realize about your timeline is I didn't realize that you were already doing the produce co-op and that you already cared so much about nutrition and you already thought you were doing all the right things before you decided to take that next step, and you were still having those issues. So that's what I think is so interesting. And I actually kind of resonate, like, I thought I was in perfect shape as well. (laughs) Until, you know, things get worse. And my brain fog was like, I am embarrassed at what I cannot remember. And you know, just all the things that sort of add up, even when we think we're doing well. So I didn't know that about your timeline. And I thought that was really interesting. So
1: Oh, yes. I thought I was, I thought I was super healthy. And I mean, I was volunteering at an organic farm for years, and I would bring home local organic produce. And so I really, truly thought I was doing everything right, you know, soaking my grains and everything. Um, And like you said, yes, the gluten, but I've also cleared out, I mean, dairy, corn, soy, peanuts. And I'm now looking into with my IBS, I'm looking into cleaning out some of the different, um, sugars, um, apples and bananas, which is going to be really hard. Mm -hmm. But I know I'm still, after three and a half years, I'm still, my gut's still not healed. Mm -hmm. And so I just need to go that next step. Um, that I've been kind of waiting to do until things have kind of settled down. So that's what I will be working on next.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm happy to give you some recommendations on that because that's the the thing, right? Like you're going to remove the stressors and then you got to finish the job too. But I knew there was something else about your initial story um, that I I thought was (laughs) – because this was not a short – like. You just kind of gave us a big picture in a really condensed format, and you gave us all the results, which was amazing. But I know there was even more about it, right? You had eliminated some other things. And I know you were having some residual symptoms, and I think you told me it took you seven years to actually find this particular sensitivity, and it was glycerin. Glycerin, can you tell us a little bit more about what your symptoms were um, before you figured that one out? Oh, Yes. Me
1: and glycerin are not friends by any stretch of the imagination. So it started with an allergic reaction on my ears. Uh, My ears swelled up like cauliflower. I had this rash that was covering my entire body. And I would go, I went to dermatologists. I went to different doctors. Actually, I was in the ER at one point because um, I, I don't know if it was just the stress of it, but I thought I thought I was having trouble breathing is what I felt like. Um, But once I got to the hospital, like, no, you're breathing. Your oxygen level is fine. And I'm like, but I'm like, there's something serious going on and I don't know what it is. So, um, yeah, I didn't include that. So it was the rash. um, And what I finally found out was that it was um, my shampoo and conditioner. Um, Actually, I guess I should back up from that. The first reaction that I had, I I forgot about this one because this was so long ago. Um, It was from deodorant. And I would put deodorant on and I would have my underarms would be just raw and they would hurt so bad. So I stopped using deodorant. And then when I had the reaction to the shampoo and conditioner, I compared the ingredient in the ingredient list in both of them, because again, I'm using very natural products, um, environmental working group, the number zero, I I was very strict on the products that I was using. And so I, you know, looked over that. And the only thing that came back was glycerin. And so I looked up glycerin and, you know, researched it, I talked to the doctor, no, 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 you can't be a he told me, no, you can't be allergic to glycerin. So I was like, okay, I'll just keep going. <clears throat> and so When I researched glycerin, I saw that it was just a natural byproduct of soap making. So I was like, okay, well, I can understand that a lot of commercial products probably add glycerin in after they've made their product. So that's what I was trying to steer clear of. And I found another product. um, I thought I was doing good. It didn't have glycerin in the ingredient. Um, Again, had another severe reaction. And then I got to the point where I had... um, Oh, okay. So I had healed a lot from in the inflammatory part. It took me seven months being very strict to um, no gluten, um, no dairy, soy, corn, peanuts, um, those kinds of things to get rid of the joint pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was another thing is that some of my, some of my symptoms like the bloating, uh, some of the head or the brain fog had gone away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But again, that it took a while being off of those foods to see the biggest, uh, results in, in my inflammation. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so at that point I was still, I was having severe stomach aches, nauseousness, um, and canker sores to the point that my mouth would be completely full of them. And I was taking L-lysine, like it was going out of style Mm -hmm. (laughs) to combat, those kinker sores um, what I found out was that glycerin um, after I had the 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 third huge allergic reaction on the outside um, from another shampoo and conditioner I I I saw that it had glycerin in it, so I was like, that has to be it. That has to be what I'm allergic to, and so I pulled out my fish oil. My fish oil capsules were made with glycerin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My toothpaste had glycerin in it. Um, at that point, I was making my own deodorant, so it, coconut oil, baking soda, and uh, tapioca starch Mm -hmm. and so i knew exactly what was in that so i was doing okay with that um but once got rid of um the fish oil pills uh, especially the toothpaste and the shampoo and conditioners is when i finally I, i i finally got rid of the stomach aches the nauseousness and um the reactions on the outside um unfortunately just this summer i i I had gone to the point where I was washing my hair. I was doing the baking soda and vinegar, um, hair washing, but you get to the point where it's just not, my hair wasn't happy. And so I had found a new shampoo and conditioner. I thought I had done my research to find that it it didn't include glycerin, but it was listed under a different name that I wasn't familiar with. Yes. Um, just about, um, two weeks ago I had another reaction. Um, And it was the shampoo and conditioner. So I have gone to using no soaps at all, (laughs) using, um, I use vinegar, apple cider vinegar to wash my hair now. My hair has actually never been healthier. Um, And so I have been using my deodorant as a soap, (laughs) which (laughs) sounds so funny. Um, But so it's really... It's hard to find things without the end. It is. It's extremely hard. Um, I can't wear makeup uh, because of that. I, I use face powder. I have a powder that I can use, um, and some chapstick. Um, I can have use chapstick. It's like a coconut oil chapstick. I'm good with that. But other than that, yeah, I I can't use any beauty products, which I'm okay with. I don't I don't feel like I need it. That mm. <laughs> makes it, it saves me a lot of time in the bathroom too. I mean, just vin- pour some vinegar on my hair and put some chapstick on, and I'm good.
0: Yeah everyone's uh, like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> whoa, I know, but, she's crazy. <laughs> you no, know, no, no. I know that feeling. And in fact, let me just touch on that. Really funny. That's hilarious. Cause remember you had sent me a voice memo and said you laughed out loud at the, I think it's the second podcast where my sister-in-law said, yeah, we pack our own food when we go to your house because we're afraid we're starving. And she, you just laughed cause yes. you, you it could resonate with the ideas. And I want to just say out loud, I want to, um, mention that this is all so familiar to me and I know like I feel you and, I know what you're going through. And I was going to just, you know, um, reiterate that 100% I see this with my clients that the joint pain can go away more slowly, for sure. The Mm -hmm. digestive things should go away right away if you're hitting the right things on the head. Um, Of course, there's shortcuts, right? But it sounds like so you had some really amazing results right away with getting rid of gluten. But then it also took a little bit more time to find the rest of what was going on. And the glycerin was such a big, big thing. Um, And I was going to touch on as well, you said toothpaste when you figured out the toothpaste and by the way like glycerin is in everything right so like the one toothpaste that doesn't oh, yes. have glycerin would be like earth paste by redmonds yes. I don't know if there's other ones yes. that you use but i really uh, like my that toothpaste one. yeah i really like that one yes um anyway i was gonna mention i always i i use this analogy sometimes one that sometimes the state of someone's mouth is really an outside picture of what the inside looks like i think because your mouth is like a gateway to like there's a, you, you absorb things very well sublingually and in your mouth. So it's a big deal actually, if you are using toothpaste, that's not agreeing with you because you absorb things so much in that area. So it makes a ton of sense when you said that, I just wanted to point that out a little bit. So the glycerin thing is really challenging actually. And the, um, there's some uh dietitians that do food sensitivity testing kind of like I do and they'll talk about how they watch how it's made as like homework, right? Because there's some things that are really hard to know unless you actually know the processing of it. And that's not really necessarily the consumer's job always. Um sometimes it is like especially with your situation, it's really good to know that. Um and so I try to do that my due diligence for that. But glycerin's a tricky one because the source can be different things. I'm reading that it's sometimes vegetable. Right. It's sometimes um, animal. And so you, it's just an issue for you all the way around. Or have you ever called companies and found there was different sources of it? I'm curious about that. It's also made from coconut as well. Yeah. And so, you know, I and haven't, how do you, I haven't and done And how that? do you handle, you know, coconut oil when that's an interesting thing. So I knew at one point, we talked about it being derived from corn. And so sometimes I would think to myself, when I have people that are really reactive to corn, how much should you really take away because of ascorbic acid, which is you know, lab, I talked about this in the supplement podcast, lab synthesized vitamin C is very often corn derived, not always, but often. And sometimes people are that sensitive where it just doesn't work for them either. Now, my goal is always to like, and I'm sure yours as well, to heal the inside, to reverse these issues long-term so that these aren't, you know, long-term issues, but sometimes people still have issues with, I always tell people, you might not be able to overcome certain chemical sensitivities because that wasn't really a natural thing for your body anyway, or it causes more stress. Now, glycerin is kind of interesting. So Yeah, it's really tricky. I'm sure you've done a bunch of research on trying to figure out and figure out, you know, what, and I don't know if manufacturers are really able to tell you that very clearly sometimes. So what do you know about, I mean, you figured out it was glycerin, but then, you know, how do you trace that back to what source and, you know, why is it the glycerin and not the source that's the causing you the issue and just curious a little bit more how, how much you've done on that. Honestly, I haven't done, I haven't done a lot of research and because I've gotten
1: to the point where, and, and that's like that with the last reaction just a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was so upset mm-hmm. because I feel like I've cleared out. I mean, I've been on this journey for so many years now that I feel like I've cleared out so much stuff and I was like, man, I'm using, I'm using a pure soap. Um, and, and so I actually had, um, I, I, do a farmers market on Fridays, and I had a lady came over come over to my market last time I was there, and she makes um, goat milk soap. So she makes soap from goat milk, and and we were talking about how glycerin is just a byproduct from the, the soap making process, and and so she gave me a sample of her soap, and I honestly I. I just stared at it. (laughs) Um, because I don't know if I want to try it. I don't know if I want to go through, through that whole process again of, of trying something. And so that's where right now, I just want to, I don't want to have any more reactions right now. I want to just feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, I want my skin to be happy. And so I don't want to try anything else right now. And I haven't, I never, I honestly, I never even thought about calling the manufacturers and, and asking them how it was made. I just, I I just stopped using it. Mm -hmm. Um, But especially with the products that I'm using, that they're more natural and they're smaller companies, I, I feel that they would be open to talking to me uh, mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll get to that point. Once I once I get sick of the vinegar. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, but I do okay with coconut products. So that's interesting. Maybe if it's sure. derived from coconut, I'd be okay.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. And the other thing is that I want to point out to anyone else listening is that anything can cause anything, you know? So like, even though the glycerin is really your trigger or one of your triggers, um, it can really be something like last week I had someone come to me. She had a really odd twinging in her leg. She said it was just so aggravating at night. Um, really, really bothered her. It was just kind of, she couldn't sleep because her leg was twinging like in a kind of a spastic, it was kind of hard for her to describe, but we were able to get it resolved by getting rid of all of her inflammatory foods but sometimes you don't know like she was really inflammatory to apples like really how annoying <laughs> how would wow. you know that yeah you know and it's really hard to people and i have someone right now their little boy is gonna find out this week that he's really reactive to cucumbers how would you know that so sometimes it's nice to know that stuff and then there's just so much people can do with you know um like com things that other people have really commonly found cause issues and so the nice thing is that it sounds like you've like made so much progress and then the finishing touch is really like just sealing it up and and honestly like the things that can really kind of throw our immune system and everything in in turmoil which kind of leads us to the next point about your story is the stress and you've actually kind of had a stressful summer just been kind of crazy so you recently moved from florida to Colorado, but not that you were just moving. I mean, you visited there, you loved it, you thought it was beautiful, but it was a little more extreme than that. You moved to to Colorado first to help at a camp. I think your husband was asked to, um, to really help as being kind of in head of this camp and you you can tell us, but you kind of lived in a tiny cabin. There's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts to that, right? So you lived in a house for a long time. You got five kids. All of a sudden you downsize. Tell us what happened.
1: Yes. Um, so I'm glad that, the summer is over <laughs> and now I can look back and laugh. Um, we, I, I walked into my family room one day and I, oh, I guess I should start back. I've been since going uh, gluten-free and pulling out the inflammatory foods that have really bothered me. Um, I've started working on myself personally as well. So personal development, uh, fitness, which I've always been into fitness, but I started using it as a time for, um, for my mental status. So yes, it's good for a physical, uh, um, Uh, wellness as well but it was also for me it was mental and it was my kind of my stress releaser and during that time working on myself I just became more aware I had a friend tell me I went through a spiritual awakening and I looked at it I was like I have no clue what that is so I'm gonna go um, google that and (laughs) figure out if that was me and yes that was me and I'm just more aware of everything around me of people and I was a really aware of stuff stuff around me and the energy that other people brought to my space and I walked into my family room one day and I stopped and I looked around and I thought I don't like anything in here and I don't want to look at it anymore (laughs) (laughs) and when I it is I know and if you I mean My husband is such a wonderful person and he's really kind of gone along with me on this journey and been open to different things. And so when he walks in and I told him, I don't want to look at any of this stuff anymore. He's like, okay, sweetie, let's just talk a little bit more about this. And, um, but we, we had this almost 2,900 square foot house that, I, I mean, it was great, but it was overwhelming yeah, it was. It took me forever to clean. It was, again, just filled with stuff really didn't mean anything. Um, and we lived on this beautiful lake. We received a this big wooden um, uh, playhouse for free. we uh, were getting rid of it. Like, well, do you want this? And we're like, sure, we got plenty of room. Throw it in the back. And until we moved, I didn't realize that house took up the space of me Uh, the view of my lake and I didn't like when we moved it it was oh my goodness you can see the lake from here and so all of this stuff just took up so much room and so much energy from me cleaning looking at it um, pick things up figuring out what was what we um, actually needed and what we didn't. And so it it was time to, uh, downsize we said. And, and so we just started slowly getting rid of things. We started, uh, um, going through each space and, and really looking at it and deciding what we wanted in it. And so for me, it was, if it brings me joy, I want to keep it. If it does not bring me joy, I want to get rid of it. Um, a lot of the stuff was my
0: husband's, <laughs>
1: Um, and so we had to work it out together, but sounds what happened like during this time
0: to work through your relationship? <laughs>
1: no, he loves me so
0: much. He sounds like a patient, <laughs> uh, patient man.
1: He is. I think he is. Um, but what happened? We got a phone call, and from a friend that we had worked at, worked with. Um, actually, when we met, um, Scott and I met at a camp for people with special needs, and she called and she said, "Hey, we're um, I'm I'm moving out to Colorado. I'm going to be working at this camp for people with special needs. Would you guys come out for the summer and help out? Scott would be the the camp director. I would do yoga and cooking classes and nature hikes, and I'm like, um yes, we will be there. And it wasn't even. I didn't. It, it wasn't even talk to the kids. Talk to Scott. I just knew that this was something that we had to do. He was at the time was a teacher, and I was homeschooling. I was um, at this point, um, sweet Elizabeth wasn't even born, um, so I thought, you know, I, I'm working from home. I can. I can definitely do this. We came out for the winter just to to check out the camp and see what Colorado was all about because neither one of us had ever been out here, and um, it was gorgeous. It was absolutely beautiful, and my husband knew that at that point his teaching career, he was done. He was done teaching, and he wanted something different. Me, on the other hand, I loved Florida. I loved the warm weather. I loved the humidity. And I I didn't want to leave. Um, fast forward two months, I went to a conference um, out in Boulder in Colorado, and I fell in love with the mountains. I went hiking by myself, and I thought, okay, it's time for our next step. And so the only, the, the only downfall was that the only housing available for the summer... Was a 520 square foot cabin, um, and 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 we thought, okay, no big deal. We can do this. We will just um, get rid of a lot of stuff, which we did. We sold bedroom sets. We sold furniture. We sold stuff. We donated a ton, a ton. And um, at that point, we 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 decided. I, I guess I skipped over. Um, Scott was also offered a full time position, so he was he was offered the the summer thing, but then that way it would turn into a full time thing. So we decided that it was time for this next chapter, and we moved into this 520 square foot. You can just get 100 a square lot feet. of our stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, not even there's not even. seven of us to yeah, cat oh, yeah. and a hamster. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I yeah, right. I know it's it's Well, God like, forbid we downsize,
0: it, it, like, we it, downsize on the cat and the <laughs> hamster. I mean, we need to take those along <laughs> too, so the kids have something to do. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I do have to say that um, it was extremely challenging, extremely, and, and and the 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 part that was so hard of, about it was. Um, my, when you move, you, you, you think that you're going to this comfortable new home, this, um, you know, you kind of have this transition period. We didn't have it. Like we moved and then, um, Scott started working, camp started and we were both working. The kids were working. My daughter did some, she was volunteering doing the arts and crafts program. My son was a wonderful dishwasher. He did some great dishwashing. And, um, but, we, we lost a lot of comforts. Um, we didn't have a dishwasher. We didn't have a washer and dryer. Um, we didn't have a bathtub. We um, actually had, we had a shower. We called it the coffin shower because you don't bend over in it. You just kind of stay in there and turn. Um, <laughs> and that's about it. Um, and we, we have two daughters with uh, sensory processing disorder. And so if you know anything about it, it's um, bath time for us is a sacred time. It's a time for them to decompress. It's a time for them to relax and to kind of let go of the stresses of the day. And we were able to use a bathtub. It was just down the mountain. Um, So that doesn't really help with the relaxation bedtime process. Um, And so I think that that for me, that was um, going to the 520 square feet. That was the hardest part. Well, of course, Losing the personal space. You have no personal space um, there. So so those are the things. But um, my kids didn't fight like I thought they would, which sounds insane. Going from 2,900 square feet to 520, you would think that there would be constant fighting. Um, but they were outside. They were, um, they were with the campers. They were learning from the amazing uh, staff that we had here over the summer. They were... Um, They were volunteering their time to help people with special needs. And they were, I couldn't teach them what they learned this summer. Mm. And so that was our reason in coming out here was to give them an experience that nothing else could and to um, foster a growth that they could only do here. Um, And so that happened, That, that happened this summer. And um, now that we have moved into the mansion, we call it, (laughs) um, which is 1,200 square feet, um, it's good. It's homey. It's comfortable. We still brought way too much stuff. Um, But I'm so glad to be in a smaller space. Um, And the stuff really doesn't mean much anymore.
0: I think that your life really aligned because you, uh, it was almost like a divine intervention because... Before you knew that you were going to be moving to a place a fifth of the size, you'd already started getting rid of the things that didn't bring you joy. If it brought me joy, I kept it. If it didn't bring me joy, I got rid of it. That started, I think, I think we talked about this. It started, maybe you started reading a book, or was there a reason you, that you started reading that book about that?
1: Well, Essentialism is the book that I read. And it was because I was, because the stuff didn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. That, that's really what it was. And why that did you start that around, book? I started it because I wanted I wanted to live a simpler life and I wanted a life of joy. Mm-hmm. And that was really it. I, ju- I didn't want... I was We were so consumed by stuff and by taking care of this massive house and everything that came with it that I just didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to be... Um, I wanted to, to go and I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to spend time with my kids. I wanted to enjoy every day and not feel like I was drowning every day because that's how I felt. I felt like I was drowning. Um, and, I, and also with electronics, I wanted to be able to have a place, not that they couldn't do this in Florida, but um, the 29 square feet, uh, 2900 square feet allowed them places that they could hide. Um very easily. Now we're together as a family, and I can easily see when they're sneaking electronics <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and I can tell them to go outside. and this where we're at in the mountains, I mean we're we're in Pike National Forest. and so um, it just you just want to be outside here. You want to be in nature and exploring and learning and um, trying new things and meeting new people. That's another part of it is that, it was definitely hard leaving the people that we did, but it's so wonderful to have a new adventure and meet new people and learn new things and and listen to new stories. I love listening to people's stories mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of hearing where they came from and, and their struggles and their um, triumphs and uh, that as well. But you're you're absolutely right. It kind of it kind of just started. I think it started when I started cle- cleaning up my health, really. Um, it was, I wanted all the areas of my life to be cleaned up.
0: Because mm-hmm. there's so many different areas that are important for our whole health and whole happiness. And you kind of have to pick them off one by one. Like, it just doesn't happen to do it all at once. It's prioritization. And once you started feeling better, then you kind of looked around and said, hmm, maybe I was filling my life with stuff before to make myself think I felt better, but I really didn't. So there's something to be learned a lot. And I just want to give our listeners a couple more. For one, I love how you love listening to other people's stories. And I I hope and, and know that people will enjoy listening to your story today. And two, you read the book Essentialism. And I read the book It's All Too Much. Um, which I also thought was good as an audio book and it kind of takes you through, um, and maybe we'll have someone speak directly on this, but I just think there's a lot to be said about, you know, how, why do we keep the things that we keep and what does it say about us and what about the baggage that we hold on to? And so it's really interesting to just get some take home points, even if it's just a few, one of them that stuck out from my book. Um, and I think we got one from you. I don't know if you have any more, you know, if it brings you joy, you'll keep it. But if not, you don't. One of the ones I got was, um, you know, you keep all these things because they have sentimental value or their memorabilia, but if you're not really displaying them and honoring them, are they really that sacred and important? You have to actually be honest with yourself on some of those things. So there's a lot to be said about diminishing all the types of baggage for sure. Um, which, yes,
1: absolutely. And that's what it is, is baggage. Exactly. It, it, and it holds you down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of that. this whole episode, I think, is about baggage, I think. Um, and, when yeah. we, and when we first um, began talking, when we first talked about your food struggles, you shared a story with me about your dad and how you care for him and how you nourished him back to health. And I actually have worked in kidney disease for a long time. I think that was one of his issues. Um, tell me a little bit more about what was going on with him when you were helping him, because it kind of leads us on to the next uh, topic about baggage.
1: You know, I think with my dad, I do what I do because of him. Um, I watched him suffer for so many years. His first hospitalization was when he was 24 and it was with pneumonia. And, um, and I, I had to take care of him. And so when I say I do what I do because of him is because I don't want my kids to take care of me because I didn't take care of myself, mm. and I'm not saying things can't won't happen. And you know, I, I yes, I could get sick from cancer or or anything. I could be in a car accident, but I want to do what I can to to take care of my health because I know what it's like to take care of a parent, and it's excruciatingly painful. Um, and so I at one. Uh, Through the years, there are many times where I would take him in and and he would live with us and I would nurse him back to health. And it was really changing the way he ate, being around joy and being around people that loved and cared for him because he spent a lot of time alone. And so the, the, the last time that he lived with us, he was incontinent. He had a feeding tube he was on so many medications that he really didn't even know where he was um and he wasn't he wasn't walking um he was in a wheelchair and he he was a he was a dialysis patient um and we we always we laugh um and and there there are certain points that I can laugh at now like we called him the dad with 100 lives because we were always at the hospital and we always, he would go into the hospital and he would be intubated and, and on a breathing machine and we would just think, this is it. That we, we need to say our goodbyes. And that's when he decided, that's when he started dialysis. And um, it, and so he, he would always bounce back. He had such a will to live in such a fight and he was so strong and this grit that I have and I'm so grateful for. Um, but when he came to live with me, it was when we first started our homeschooling, um, adventures and it was, I I don't even know if it was a month in and he came to live with us and I thought, well, my kids are going to learn how to use a work of feeding tube. (laughs) They're going to learn, um, you know, about wheelchairs and walkers and taking care of somebody who's ill. And that's what I did. And I, um, with this feeding tube, I got his, He was on, gosh, I don't remember what it was, but you know, a can of formula, Mm -hmm. and I, the the first ingredient in this formula was corn syrup solids, and I looked at that and I thought, oh my goodness, one of the sickest people on the planet, and they're feeding him corn, corn syrup solids, and so I decided I. I mean, this is, you want to talk to your doctor. This is just what I did for my father. Um, but I started making my own food. I would make him soups and I would puree it. So he would be getting the great nutrition um, gut healing Benefits from bone broth that was made at home and vegetables and, uh, you know, organic grass fed meats. And and that's what I would feed him through his feeding tube. Um, he would also we weaned him off of a bunch of medications that he was on that he shouldn't have been on. Um, and he. Uh, I started I started working on healing his gut. He was getting some different supplements. I was giving him probiotic every day. Um, and in within three months, he was walking. He had the feeding t- tube removed. Um, and he was continent again. He was back to the point where in three months, I was able to send him home by himself, which was such... I mean, for me to know that I helped him get better was such a great feeling. Um, unfortunately, when somebody goes back home and back to maybe their own ways where um, you know you can you can change the food and I could do whatever I could for him, but until he was ready to change, I couldn't make him change. And so when he lived with me, he had to do the things um, that I wanted him to because he wasn't driving at that point. Um, but when he went back home, he was able to make his own decisions and he went back to eating the foods that weren't right for him. And, um, and he, within a couple of weeks, he was back into the hospital. And so it was, it was really sad. He actually had a wound on his leg. That's what it was. That's what he went back in. And I had these Manuka honey bandages and he was supposed to change them every day or not change them every day, but, um, have them on. And then whenever he needed them change, put a new one on. And, and just from that simple thing of not taking care of his wound, that's what ended him back up in the hospital. And we started the whole process over again of his muscles getting weak again. Um, and eventually went back on the feeding tube. Um, he, had, he had the feeding tube twice, came back, got rid of the feeding tube again. Um, and so it was just this long process. But I know that if he would have had, if he were able to care for himself the way that I'm caring for myself, I know he wouldn't have been so sick. And I know that he would have... Um, he would have had a better quality of life, and those the last few years for him, there was just really it was really poor quality of life, and um, it, it was hard. It was very hard on my brother and sister and I because we had to watch him. We had to watch him decline, and we had to watch him not take care of himself. and um, And so that's that. That's my driving force in that I I don't want my kids to have to do that and have to go through that pain.
0: That's really amazing. I think that one, your kids are becoming like you patient servants that are the kind of people like that we don't have enough of that make the world better. I wrote this quote down and I circled it and I highlighted it and I'll be sharing it. I don't want my kids to take care of me because I didn't take care of myself. And I just think how much maturity does it take to think that way? Like so much and so much forethought and just why wouldn't you want to be independent and feel amazing, but you can do that because you've already taken yourself from not being able to walk up the stairs to not being able to open a water bottle to feeling fantastic. Um, So you can see the change and the difference, you know, it's possible you've seen. You have so many incredible transformations like within your own family. It's amazing. And I love that you are able to give the timelines what helped, what worked, you know, so so he comes to you with a feeding tube, incontinent, in a wheelchair, and in three months of fantastic nutrition, despite a lifelong of not that good, you've made it so that he can function and walk and be continent. And it doesn't take, you know, for example, it doesn't take very much time at all to have muscle atrophy or, you know, degradation by not using it. So yeah, when you get hospitalized, or when you get into, you know, a position where you're not able to use your own functions, and, you know, it really limits your independence, which is challenging. And so sometimes people just kind of give up, but some people don't give up, and they do amazing, and you didn't give up, um, which was incredible. That's a that's a very amazing story. I hope people learn a lot from it. I have to share a funny article with you as well about two fitting formulas and all those things just because it's interesting relevant I'll have to share that with you afterwards but um so this uh that is a happy and sad story and it ends in a little bit of a sad story because just in the last couple of months when you were in Colorado you'd already moved there for camp right this summer when your dad passed Mm -hmm. away yeah so you had a crazy summer um and were you expecting that to happen did you know that was coming um no And and it sounds funny for me to
1: say no, because we called him the dad with hundred lives because we'd done it so many times we had gone. I mean, every time he had gone in the hospital, like, it's funny, like you think, um, you're going to walk in and be like, okay, this is it. Like we're, we need to say our goodbyes. And they've called us to the hospital before years ago. And, uh, they've talked about hospice for years. And, uh, so it wasn't, I mean, it was always in the back of my mind. It was like, which phone call was it going to be? Um, but coming here, like when I left, it, it was really hard to leave. Um, and I guess I should share this too, is that, you know, knowing that my father was so ill, and moving across the country away from him um, was extremely hard. And I think that that's—I think that that part of the tiny home living, the stress and the uh, the guilt of leaving him was so hard. The the last day of our trip out here. Um, it took us four days to drive out here and the last day we were getting in the car and I had this phone call and it was a 800 number and I was busy and I was trying to get the kids in and I thought, I'm not going to answer it yet. I'll, I'll get it when I, on the way. And usually you don't, you don't have voicemails from 800 numbers. And so I thought, oh, I better listen to this. And it was the medical alert for my dad. And they said, um, you know, he had fallen, that the ambulance was on the way. And uh, he had gone home. <laughs> he had been, gone home uh, for two days. He was at home for two days by himself. and um, he was in, he was in a wheelchair because he had been in the hospital for so long and, and his muscles were so weak. But he had walked to his bed and where he had, he had to stop his wheelchair because he had carpet. So he walked to his bed and then he walked back. And he um, was getting back to the wheelchair and he fell. Um, And unfortunately, it was on his tanks of oxygen. Um, And uh, luckily, there was somebody at the door at the time they were coming to pick him up for dialysis. And, and so he broke, he had already had a hip replacement, but he had broken something on outside of the hip replacement, and they weren't going to be able to do anything. So as I'm driving the opposite direction of him, I'm thinking, Oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Like how how can I be going the opposite direction? And I should really be there. And um, my brother actually on the same day, just within hours lost one of his employees. And, and I thought I, I need to go back. I need to turn around. Um, I called my sister-in-law and she, (laughs) she set me straight. She said, absolutely not. She said, this is a new chapter in your life. Um, You have to keep going forward. You have to keep moving. You can't allow, um, what everybody else is doing to stop you. And so, yes, my father was ill when I left, but I couldn't stop my life, um, any longer where I felt like there had been so uh, ever since I can remember, I, I had taken care of him. And so I just couldn't, um, I couldn't do it any longer. Um, and so when coming out here, I thought I was going to see him in a few months. That's that's our plan was to meet in Arizona. We were going to have a vacation, him and I, and we were going to go visit his sister. And so it it wasn't a thought that he wasn't going to be here any longer. Um, and so I, he had gone back in for the broken hip, went back to rehab, um, went back in for his heart, um, went back to rehab. This is all within a five week period And then during this time, though, we had some amazing times together. We would FaceTime and he wasn't he was he wasn't walking really at this time. And um, he I would I would take him for hikes we live in in this gorgeous area And, and so I would hike with him and I would have him on FaceTime and I would show him, um, Pike's peak and I would, I would show him the birds that would be flying by and, and, and just, he could hear the crunch of my, of the gravel under my feet. And, um, and so we had special time together during that time. And, um, my brother FaceTimed me one morning and it was Monday, uh, July 3rd. And he, um, he said, uh, he said, um, Dad, you know, dad's back in the hospital. Um, cause he had got it now, gone to rehab. Um, and so, and he, we FaceTime and I looked at him and he was purple. Um, he, they thought he had had an allergic reaction. Um, but when I looked at him, I knew, I knew it wasn't, I knew there was something more to it. Um, and so I looked at him, I said, dad, I'm I'm coming, I'm coming to see you. Um, and he's like, absolutely not. I'm walking out of here. They keep talking to me about this hospice thing and I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. And so I was like, okay, no, no problem. And I took him for a hike and we talked and then I came back down and I got off the phone or the FaceTime and I called my brother and I said, I'm, I'm flying out um, tomorrow. And I did. And I flew out and I, um, I went and I didn't bring the kids. I, my husband didn't come. It was just me. And I was just there with him. And, um, I walked into his hospital room Tuesday night and, uh, he, at that time he was, he was kind of having hallucinations. Um, but that morning he was, and I walked in and he looked at me, he said, Well Elizabeth, is that you? And I was like, yeah, dad, it's me. And, I walked over to his bed, and I, he just kept putting his, he had the, the softest, um, sorry, he had the softest hands, uh, and he just could put them on my face, and he's like, you're here, you're here, and he was holding my hands and squeezing them, and I said, yeah, dad, I'm here, and, and I'm here just to spend time with you, and we're just going to talk, and we did, and we just... We sat there for hours just talking, and um, I got to tell him about Colorado, and he was so worried about the fires, and and he was talking to me about what what my roof needed to be made out of, and, and, you know, how far are you from trees, and can they fall on you? And I'm like, oh, Dad, (laughs) I'm surrounded by trees, Um, but how concerned he was for me. And um, so I got to spend, I got to spend his time with him, and, and during this time, he was he was getting very sick. Um, He started getting bed sores and he was on a lot of pain medications at this time. And there would be hours where I would just sit and hold his hand. Um, And I reached out, I started, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to lose him. Um, I had never lost anybody that close to me before. Um, And I wanted to make sure that I didn't regret Anything, so I started reaching out to friends that had lost their parents, and um, I actually reached out to a lot of friends um, because I I wanted to do it right. And and um, one friend in particular, we we met for she met me for tea, and I looked at her and I said, um, Heather, I don't know how to do this. She had lost both of her parents. And I said, I want to say something to him. I want to talk to him. I want to, I want to ask him questions. I want to tell him stuff. And she looked at me and she said, you're not at that point. And she said, it's too late for that. And she said, there's nothing, there's nothing that you can ask him that's going to make any of this better. And she said, you're, what you need to do is you need to say thank you. And those were the two of the most powerful words I've ever used. I went back to his hospital room and I had 45 minutes with him where he was awake and so alert. He was in pain, um, but he was able to hear me. He was able to talk to me. That was my last 45 minutes with him. Um, And I thanked him. I thanked him for being my dad. I thanked him for loving me only the way that he could. I thanked him for bringing me into this world. I just... I thanked him for so much for everything I could for being, um, he never, uh, he never like, he always supported my decisions and never judged it. He just, even if it was hurting and I knew moved us moving to Colorado, he never said a cross word and he always, he was always very, um, supportive and, um, you need to do what's right for you and you need to, this is for your family and I'm going to see you and we will visit. And, um, he didn't say, well, what about me? And I'm sick and you're leaving me. He was always um, supportive. And I thanked him for that because it meant the world to me. Um, and so thank you. And I'm sorry. I feel like those are four words that are so powerful and can be so helpful in a time of struggle. And, um, I, so that was Saturday and Saturday night. I just sat, I just sat there for hours. Um, and the nurses would come in, you know, do you need a blanket? Do you need a cup of coffee? Anything? And I said, no, no, I'm going to go home. I just, I just going to sit here for a little bit longer. And that night I couldn't leave. I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave. Um, and maybe it was cause I knew, um, but, um, I, I sat there for a while and I thought, okay, what would dad want? What would he want me to do? And I knew because I, I was thinking about staying the night and he wouldn't want me to stay the night. He would want me to go home and get some rest. And, and that's when I asked him. I said, dad, what would you, when he was feeling a little bit better than one of the first days I was there, I said, dad, what advice do you give me? And he said, he said, you need to take breaks more often. And I was like, okay, yeah, sounds good. And I said, well, what, what advice do you give to the kids? And he He said, You need to tell your kids to give you more breaks and I so you can rest and I was like, Okay. So at that moment I thought, Okay, he told me I need to rest. So I thought I need to go back home. I need to get some rest and I'll be back in the morning. Um and at six twenty three Sunday morning I got a call from the nurse and said that his condition had changed um and that we needed to bring the family and and so I, I did. I called my brother and my sister, and fortunately, we were all we're all there. We're all within twenty minutes, and um, but within a few minutes, she called me back, and um, and he was gone. Um, and I've learned so much from losing him, um, which it sounds weird, but he's taught me so much in his passing and I'm so grateful for it. Um, and I just try to, I mean, the the connections that I made from reaching out to friends that have lost people, um, close to them, uh, those, those talks that we had are priceless to me. Um, and what I've learned during from them and, um, and through losing him, um, I will, I will be grateful for, which may sound funny, but I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. And, um, and he also, he sent two words to the next generation and it's stand tough. And I thought, you know what, that's what I'm going to do when things get hard, like this move, it was hard. It was very hard. Um, but I'm going to stand tough and I'm going to continue to do the things that I need to do for me, for my health, for my family, for my husband, for my business. Um, and, um, and I'm going to, I, I'm not going to, um, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going his legacy is going to live on through me and through my kids and through what we do and through what I share with other people. Um, and, and, and just being grateful.
0: I don't even know. Being grateful. If I could ask you any other questions that could help summarize as much as you just did there. I think that was a first. I've never cried. And I don't know if the interviewee has ever cried in the middle of the interview. But I appreciate the raw realness and relatableness that you've brought today. And there, I don't even know how we can title this episode because there's so much value Like, that's what it is. I don't know if you can hear this bird in the background, Um,
1: but I'm sitting outside talking to you, um, and since losing my father, there has been... I have had such a connection um, to nature and to, um, to everything around me, and that bird... Came up and he just sat. He staring He was staring at me at this tree, and um and he just started squawking, <laughs> really loud. And that would totally be my dad. <laughs> and so he's he's everywhere around me, and I see it and everything. Um, and I'm reminded of him all the time, and and it's it's so reassuring. So I I, I hope you got the the squawks of the bird.
0: Yeah, I absolutely did. And you know, what's interesting about you saying that is I have some other friends that lost their mother prematurely. And sometimes they would share on Facebook about this hawk that always came and sat on their dad's doorpost. And he was always there. He or she. I'm not sure which, but always there at the most opportune times. It's just really interesting that you even mentioned that. So I think that life is amazing. And, uh, you know, there's just like, if you stop and listen and look more often, like it's amazing what you'd notice. And I feel like you've embodied that completely so much. Um, I don't even know if I can ask these other questions because I feel like you touched on so much important, like just on things. I can't even put a, a finger on how important they are. And I hope that it's valuable to you that you've recorded this while it's still sort of fresh because you know what yeah. happens as time goes on, as these memories and feelings are less fresh. So I hope that you'll be able to look back on this fondly. Um, it wasn't that long ago we were voice memoing back and forth. And on the, on the note of like, I just think, man, there was so much so much value the way you said, you know, the most important words that you could say to someone was thank you or, and, or I'm sorry. And, and his, you know, last sentiments were to stand tough. Um, but we were also talking about how we take on the baggage and pain of others sometimes. And this was through the grieving process of, of after you lost your dad, um, you know, you, I know you're running and, and you were having some conversations in your head, literally, right. And you literally started speaking out loud. Do you remember that? Yes.
1: Yeah. So um, it was, gosh, it was soon um, after he passed. And um, I came back to Colorado and I was, I, if, if I can just share one, one quick thing, I know it doesn't, mm-hmm. um, it kind of goes along with this what I realized through losing my dad was that, um, in grief, people want to know that, um, to, by not recognizing, um, okay, let me, I'm sorry, let me go back. When I lost my dad, I had to come back to camp and I knew everybody knew what happened. Um, and, it was going to be hard. I knew I was going to be reminded of losing him and I had to kind of go through everything with each staff member and, and my family and everything. And, um, I, it was harder when people didn't recognize that he had passed. And so if I can share it with anything, it was, is to recognize when people have passed and, and because it's not a reminder of it, is not going to bring everything back. It's just going to make it. It's it brings comfort to be able to talk about him and to share uh, my memories. And um and so when I was when I was going for this run, it was only a few days that I had been back, and um I I needed that for my for my sanity really. And I was running, and I was getting towards the end. And when I run, I can really I clear my head and I can really, uh, I feel like great thoughts come and, and things that I would never think um, come to me. And I was thinking about him. I talked to him a lot. I tell him, um, you know, different things that are going on. And at this point I was thinking about um, his life and I was thinking he had a really hard life. He had a really hard um, childhood. It was, um, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of abuse, and um, he also suffered from um, m- mental illness, and that took a um, that took quite a few years um, away from me. Him away from me, and so during this run, I was saying, "I wish, I wish this. I wish you didn't have this pain. I wish you didn't um, have a horrible child. I wish you were." So here. I wish, um, you know, you didn't have to go through these things. And, um, and I wish you weren't sick and I wish I didn't have to watch all of this. Um, and then all of a sudden, like my, I threw my arms in the air and I was yelling at him and I was like, dad, oh my gosh, dad. And I was still running, Now my arms in the air and I'm like, you don't have to live in pain anymore. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, and I don't either. And I just started screaming to him I'm like, Dad, we're letting it go. I'm sorry. I'm getting really <laughs> worked up now. But I was like, we're letting go of all of the pain, everything that you had held on to for so long. And my my parents had gone through a, an ugly divorce. And I held on to that pain and that guilt. And for so long, I held on to his pain. I held on to his horrible childhood. I hold, held on to his illness. I held on to um, his mental illness. And I had taken it on as, uh, as my pain. And at that moment I realized it and I was like, no longer, <laughs> no longer am I holding on to it. And you're not holding on to it any longer either. And I just kept screaming and, and joy that we were both letting go of this pain that I feel like has held us both down for so long. And I was running up the mountain and, and there were two of the staff um, that worked here at the camp and I looked at them and I was like, it's been 39 years and I'm letting it go. I'm letting go of all the pain. And they, they probably looked at me like I was a nut job, but I just had to, I just had to share all of it and to let it all go and let somebody know that the pain was gone and I wasn't holding on to it any longer. So, um, we definitely take on other people's energy and other people's um, pain um, and stuff that doesn't belong to us. And I feel like real life.
0: That's
1: okay. Okay. Um, I I don't know if you can, uh, or just to not holding on to to things that don't belong to you. And I think that that was part of getting rid rid of the physical stuff. A lot of that stuff was given to me. I I didn't want it. It, it, it It wasn't mine. It wasn't stuff that brought joy to my space. And so sometimes we hold on to other people's pain and letting go of that was when we can truly be free. And so surrounding yourself with people that bring you joy, surrounding yourself by people who bring you positive energy and excitement and fun. And yes, of course you're going to have bad days and you're going to have things that aren't good, but um, letting go of the maybe even the relationships that aren't bringing you joy the energy and the, the positiveness that you need in your life so that you can move on and you can be a better person and bring better to the world.
0: Oh my gosh. You have really covered so much. I mean, you talked about losing the bad health habits. You talked about losing the physical things in life. That's just stuff that doesn't give us joy. And you've talked about losing life and how through Losing life, how you learned so much at the same time, because you ha you have no choice but to go forward unless you want to go backwards. And, and we all want to go forward. So I just thank you so much for everything you shared today because I think um, you offered our audience so much and I hope that they're as touched by everything that you shared as I am and just gleaned so much. I mean, you could listen to this three times and get so many different different takeaways. Because you talked about so much, is there any other gut reaction on what you would tell someone listening right now that really feels like he or she has some of the issues that you've been talking about? Trouble with the releasing baggage. And exactly what you just sort of ended on is how we take on everyone else's baggage as well. And we take on the pains. We take on the pains of others and we kind of let them become our own. Um, is there any other like departing words or, or or advice that you need to give someone to take with them today? Yeah. And I, I think it's the words from
1: my father and stand tough, um, because things aren't always easy. And even though it's hard, it doesn't mean it's not right. Um, and that's, and it's funny because (laughs) I just questioned my husband on this, like, this move has been very hard. Um, living in the tiny cabin was very hard. Losing my dad was extremely hard. Um, trying to build now build my business here in Colorado. And I, I felt like things were, um, it was hard. It was just hard. And I looked at him the other day and I said, if it's meant to be, shouldn't it be easy? And he just looked at me and laughed. My husband did. And, and uh, he's like, no. I was like, okay. Um, And I I was like, and that's what it is. I just need to, you just got to keep moving forward. So is changing your diet and everything that you've done for however many years easy? Absolutely not. Is it worth it? Yes. A hundred times, yes. It is more than worth it because all we have is our health. That's all we have. And if you don't have your health, you can't go and enjoy life and you can't enjoy the people that you're around. And, and if you don't have health, nobody wants to sit and be unhealthy with you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I really think that, is, that that's it is just just to keep going and to do it and to know that it's worth it. It's all worth it. And um, and to stand tough.
0: I'm glad I never skipped that question because people always drop this amazing like nugget of knowledge that pretty much, it didn't even have to summarize. It was just like, yes, exactly. A hundred times. Yes. Thank you so much. Like, I just love my friends. I love surrounding myself with amazing people. It is refreshing. And I, every, you know, spending this time with you today, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you allowing me to share your story with this audience because it's just so powerful, and we need more powerful, uplifting stories that um, are just motivating and invigorating. I don't, I don't know how to describe what you just did for us, but it was amazing. So, I appreciate Aww, that so much. You. And for people that want to stick with you and follow your story, where can they find you? So um,
1: you can find me on Facebook at Sweet Elizabeth Organics. I also have an Instagram page under Sweet Elizabeth Organics and um, a website. Um, And on my Facebook page, I've actually been making videos. It's called The Sweet Life. And the last one I did was quite a a few weeks ago and it was, um, it was, before my dad's services and kind of what I was feeling and what I was going through. So if you want to watch that, that is on my Facebook page. Um, I just try to share these little nuggets of what I'm going through to hopefully help others on their journey. And um, but I also so my business is Sweet Elizabeth Organics and it is I make allergy free uh, baking mixes, so uh, chocolate cake, vanilla cake, a coffee cake, pancakes, brownies,
0: and I know I forgot one. Um, there's like some. Oh, you said coffee cake already. I feel like there's new ones. I hope I hope we get to sample all these in November.
1: <laughs> so well. Oh yes, actually. So Krista, we will be at the Food Allergy Blogging Conference in Denver in November, and Sweet Elizabeth is actually donating product. So um, they will actually be making my products to serve to all nice. the attendees.
0: Nice.
1: yes. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And I was, uh, I've been looking and that, that was part of the business part of being so hard is that I've been looking for a commercial kitchen in, uh, in Colorado. And I felt like every, where I turned, it was just kind of a no and no, that's not going to work and can't do this. And this is too expensive and that doesn't fit in the budget. And, um, just this morning I met with somebody that I've been talking to actually, uh, all summer and I left there and I just looked up. I was like, dad, was this you? Like, did you, did you put all this together? Mm -hmm. Because today, like, things have just fallen into place and I found a commercial kitchen. Not only is it a commercial kitchen, but it's gluten free. It's peanut free. It's tree nut free. I mean, except for coconut, but um, USDA considers coconut as a, a tree nut. Um, even though it doesn't have the same property. So my products do contain coconut. Um, but uh, it will ha- will have the commercial kitchen. And then we'll also be opening up a small cafe, um, myself and the other uh, kitchen owner. And so we're really excited about the, the new adventures. And so for right now, I will be at the local Woodland Park um, Farmer's Market on Fridays. And then... Uh hopefully October I'll be open be able to open my shopping cart back up on my website. It's been closed for a few months because I've just been focusing on the farmers market and obviously a lot of craziness this summer. Um and then hopefully we'll be up and running October. If not, the cart will be back open in November.
0: Yeah, for so, sure. And so, if you're
1: ever in Colorado in oh sorry. No, go ahead. What were you gonna say? In old Colorado City. Old Colorado City is with is where the kitchen is and so if you're ever in
0: Colorado Springs area um, you'll have to look me up and come on
1: over and um, try out Sweet Elizabeth.
0: See that's the kind of person you are. I mean I feel like you're my neighbor because you're so wholesome down to earth and I feel like you don't just go everywhere and meet people that are as amazing as you so thank you for being in my life. I love it so much. You are the best Um, and so yes so people will be able to order Your products again hopefully by october but i mean let's just give you like i think things fell into place when they needed to fall into place you were very busy doing being a camp counselor being in charge of camp doing the family thing all summer so everything is working out as it should now that you've moved you've got the commercial kitchen space you'll be back at it and after hearing this i'm sure everyone would love to try and taste your products um that help people feel good about themselves um I forget what the tagline is, but you know, that tastes good and make you feel good, basically. Oh, yes. Live sweetly. That's my little tagline, too. I love it. I love, love, love it. Yes. Yeah. okay thank you so much elizabeth anytime <laughs> thank that you, my friend anytime um you know the card is back up and we'll make sure to add that to the show notes but at any time you know people listen to these at all different times so uh i i can't wait to hear if people try your mixes but um if you have any feedback please feel free to send it to hello at less stress life and we'll pass it on to elizabeth so thank you so very much for coming on today and sharing your soul with us appreciate it well thank you Thank you, Krista. It has
1: been wonderful. And I just love chatting with you, girl.
0: I do too. You're like my soul sister. (laughs) It's perfect. Can't wait to meet you soon. All right. We'll talk soon. I know. All right. Bye-bye. So I'm editing this at a conference and the sound is not nearly as good. I hope you can tolerate it. I just wanted to mention that, wow, this episode, though it may have been long, I hope it, it flew by for you because for me, I was, there's just so many fascinating pieces about Elizabeth's story and gems that she shared, and I really hope you appreciate it. I want you to know that her commercial kitchen is up and running, and she is shipping from SweetElizabethsOrganics.com, and there is a discount code for you if you want to try any of her baking mixes or goodies, um, and that code is LESSSTRESSED. So I hope you try it and let us know how you like it. I'll be spending some time with Elizabeth, like we said, next month at another conference. So I'm so excited for that, and I'll let you know how it goes. Talk soon.